to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Uh, Special guest tonight, the legendary Mike Hard. Most known for uh, the amazing God Bullies, if you're familiar. And if you're not familiar, you're going to be like, who? But if you are familiar, wow. <clears throat> yeah, what a band. What, a, what an amazing band. And uh, also uh, Thrall, the underrated Thrall. Uh, they Never Sleep. Uh, plenty, plenty of Mike, Mike Hardisms. Mike Hardisms? Mike Hard. <laughs> Plenty of my card uh, to go around. Really excited about this. This this is uh, I'd like to thank Johnny for hooking this up. Who's a listener to the show, and he basically said, "Do you want my card on the show?" And I said, "Fuck yes, I do." When can we make that happen? Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, mostly God bullies, but uh, you know, if you're if you like Brainsaw, they never sleep, Thrall, etc., etc., etc. Amazing dude, uh, one of the great front people of all time. For real. So, uh, if it's your first time joining the show, the name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. This is a sh- live show slash podcast. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Thanks for listening to it. Uh, this is the... Uh, how many episodes have I done? <laughs> 232? 232? 231? Something like that? Um... Yeah, this is 231. Okay, cool. So this is episode 231 of this show. Uh, the archives are always free. Any place you get your podcast uh, on YouTube, all that stuff. Patreon.com slash Reversal. That supports the show. And if you give it at the dollar month level, you get the episodes sooner rather than later. What does that mean? You get them pretty much immediately after the live show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And let's talk to you. Legendary Mr. Mike Hard. And we are live now with the one and only, the the legendary, the awesome Mr. Mike Hard of Godville. Right. Mike, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show, man. This is great. So great to have you. Thank you. Uh, oh, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be here. And it's great for you to uh, remember us uh, rock and rollers. Yeah. I mean, it's something where for... Yeah, and we were sort of bemoaning the the technology 
not bemoaning necessarily, but talking about the challenges of technology and the things that one must know in this day and age to uh, just be keep keep up with the general ethos of of life. But I think what's interesting to me is that uh, I've I've been enjoying seeing like a new generation of rockers kind of go back and find stuff like Godbillies and be like, wow, this is amazing! Like you know, this is so you know, confrontational and so, you know, like, uh, vital in a way. And like, this is like years later, like with a completely different context, but finding something of value there. Yeah. It's really great. It's, uh, we, I, I I do the same thing now with like old old music and going on to the garage sales and estate sales and, and, uh, you know, Salvation Armies and you find this album and you're like, who the heck were these guys? Oh my gosh. This is like, Johnny and I were just listening to these bands that before we came on that like blind uh, daylight and <laughs> just <laughs> Fort Mudge Memorial from the seventies. Just these great, great, great bands that uh, you find them just like you said, and uh, it lives on. But it, yeah, if you can find a God Bully album at uh, the Salvation Army, I think it'll be a great find, and you'll 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 enjoy the, the music. It's funny you mention that because I always talk. I, I think our music lives on too. I listen to it now, and um, I still think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting to me because when you think about like the Salvation Army, I always think about the it being kind of like a uh, like a seed of deviancy, right? That somebody can just find like. Uh, I don't know what's this. You know, oh, well, this is some. This is something crazy. This isn't like the best of disco. This is <laughs> something completely different. And uh, that that is something that like would like just saying that kind of paints like a word picture in my mind. Yeah, finding some of my favorite bands that way of just like this looks interesting. What is this all about? And uh, I wonder. I mean, obviously, the, yeah, the, it's just fantastic. Yeah, and and I, I think that that holds across all different kinds of generations. Um, it's just, it's, it's weird to me that not having that physical tactile experience of like going to a place and being like, Oh, what's this all about? This looks, you know, a freaking, um, you know, Sir Lord Baltimore. What's that? You know, <laughs> that's a weird name. Uh, oh, that's a great album. I, I have it. It's a great album. I have it. It's, it's fantastic. It's a, it is. Heavy metal, early seventies rock and roll right there. Sir Lord Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my, on the cover of it. That, that's my that's my favorite you're example. Crashing of into the crashing into the rocks. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, and and you're like, I oh, can't yeah, wait. They're everywhere. Yeah, like the idea is like, I can't wait to hear what this is all about. <laughs> like this is this is awesome. Uh, so I, I guess let's start with yeah. the fact. That, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Right, and, and no one's telling you to buy it. Right, you're just looking for it on on. I was on, just saying, no one's telling you to buy it. No one's like saying, check this out or anything. It's just. Yeah, you just found it, right? Yeah, and, it, and you discover something, so it's beautiful. So the yeah. the the thing that kind of gets way I get a lot of my music. Yeah, yeah. So was was that something where were you coming from a kind of a more rock background, like a classic rock background? Like what what was your beginning to uh, starting up with God Bullies and starting up with you know the the rock and roll life, uh, such as it is? Like what was your pathway in? Well, it's crazy. It's it's uh, yeah. I I uh, moved to Kalamazoo after I got out of the Navy and started going to Western Michigan on the GI Bill, and that's where I met David at Western Michigan. And there's just you know at the time it's like 1981, 1982, 
and but and uh, then you know everyone's going to college, and that's kind of how it started. You know, just to open up for the bigger bands that would come to town. I'm sure it's the way you've heard with a lot of bands like us. That, you know, we we love the music so much, and we you know maybe didn't want to pay to get in, or maybe wanted two free beers a night. You know, whatever. But we just started playing in front of uh, you know our favorite bands that would come to. Everyone's pretty much self-taught, and uh, yeah, thanks to Tom Hazelmeyer, it got a lot bigger, and uh, then Kalamazoo. Yeah, I mean Kalamazoo's. In, I mean it's it's almost the like the test kitchen of like American college town, and I mean that as a compliment, but in a way that like there, there's a certain kind of there might be like amazing bands that they're there, but they're not necessarily going to be known throughout because it's mostly people like either in reaction to what's going on or just kind of making their own thing because they don't have the same thing that you would have in like a, a big city, like a big city scene or something. You wouldn't have that, that influence or that pressure even. That's my take on it. Anyway, how, how do, you, do you feel that's accurate or do well, you feel- Yeah. And you have a lot of young kids, well, for, for a lot of people, it's their first time away from home and they're young kids and they came to the college from smaller towns throughout all of Michigan or from Detroit and got into these small little enclaves and created their own little scene, more so than like in a big city where, you know, uh, it's a, it was a whole different scene in a big city compared to like a, a town where a lot of young people are going and in that scene at once, you kind of create your own scene in a small town. That, in a, uh, what we... We would go to Detroit and Chicago. We'd be it'd be totally different from you know Kalamazoo and uh, Battle Creek and yeah. uh, all these other kind of. We'd always do our best. Our best shows would, you know, be in Dubuque or Minneapolis or Milwaukee or Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, uh, that's that's where our most notorious shows have were always took place. Uh, New York and L.A. You know, a whole different scene. We didn't. Uh, we played there. And we had people there, but. Not like what we uh, would draw, especially in Texas. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> Texas loved loved themselves some God bullies. <laughs> well, and that's it's it, it's interesting to me because when God bullies first came to my attention, it, it was prefaced by just an in a paragraph of statements is like this band is so crazy. They're so they're so wild live. They're so like and I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And you kind of take all that with a grain of salt, right? You're like, yeah, okay, cool. They're they're crazy, I'm sure. Right. Fine. And then I was like, oh no, they're this is intense. This is some intense right. stuff. And it's something where did that kind of was that an outgrowth naturally of what you guys were doing musically? Did you have any kind of mindset of um Hey, these guys are about here, and we're gonna take it there. <laughs> like, did you was that was that preconceived or did it come naturally? Oh no, I think rock and roll is intense, and when you feel it and it's in your soul, uh, it, it really, really comes out. And and we were an intense band because uh, you know the environment we lived in is really intense, and in especially in the Midwest, and uh, uh, you know. I, I used I started wearing the suit and tie all the time as a, a representation of like this frustrated uh, middle class working guy that finally see uh, he's been a led astray his whole life and uh, when you hit when you see that light and you're illuminated it's a really intense feeling and I, I try to go through that gradual progression in a show where I out and you're in a suit and tie and you look like all these other motherfuckers in the suit and tie and but you eventually see this man go totally mad when he's confronted with the reaction musicians i had 
those moments intense. Yeah, it, I had a great, great, great band most of the time to play with. So well, and it came across so powerfully, and it's something where, uh, if you recall the um, that movie that came out in the '90s uh, with Michael Douglas, uh, "Falling Down," like the thing, I, I was like, "Oh, it's like a God bullies thing," like this <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that, I mean, that that's a that's a good comparison as far as like the, that movie, what that guy was saying, because he went through the steps. Uh, and you know, coming from the Midwest, uh, it's it's the Bible Belt, right? So, you know, we've been a led astray ever since youth. You, uh, you know, taught you, you know you're not born to hate. You know, it's it's not you're not born with that feeling. So it's taught to you, and uh, your whole life, you know, you feel like you believed in everything you're taught. But then you start college town, start reading other things and seeing other things and experiencing other things, and you realize you've been lied to your whole life. Right. And that's 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 in, that's intense if you really think about it. It's like everything you believed and thought you believed in is totally a lie, you know. And that that betrayal is uh, that's intense. And trying to show an audience that 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 emotion or that feeling, like you know, I was I, I was taught to hate, mm. you know. I was ta- I was taught to believe it that uh, someone died for me. To, to make you know that guilt with that's associated for that with that you know it's uh it's intense so we try to get that out in front of people this whole like uh, awakening thing like being saved or being you know uh, born again you know of all of a sudden wow I'm enlightened I, I see the light now I, I I don't I I don't hate women I don't hate black people it, it, it's it's uh once you get through that see that light I mean look what we're going through right now. Right. You know, with the, the it's I, I think it's exactly what we were talking about, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, sadly, it's, you know, the only thing that's different is that there's these tools for connection now that uh, show it to us in different ways. But it's, everything's much more magnified. And I think that that's. Oh, I'd hate to say I told you so, but I, it, <laughs> the, the last song we did for Tom, you know, for, for Amphetamine Reptile, uh, we did the reunion in 2010 or 11, and yeah. uh, the last we we did was called Wake Up. Right. And it's the chorus in it is like, how many lies does it take to make you believe? When are you going to open your eyes and wake up? you got to wake up from the dream. And you just look at what's happening. These people believe this, this huge lie. And... Uh, you know, we're we're warning people about it. <laughs> well, uh, can you can you imagine like these people did this to our capital because of a lie? Yeah, exactly. And and they from, were from a con man, from a snake oil salesman. You know, uh, uh, it's just crazy to believe that they would believe in a lie. They must feel really really bad right now, <laughs> especially with their FBI having all their fucking pictures. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's something where like, hey, maybe taking a bunch of selfies wasn't necessarily like the move. I mean, that, that wasn't the best. Oh my god, the best thing to be doing here. But that's all they know. They don't know the best thing to do. That's yeah. all they know. So they're just doing what they know. And best yet, yeah, you see pictures that they have them just coming out of the building. Now they have names or the faces to attach the names to. They did it. They did the, the government a huge favor. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I believe the whole thing was on purpose. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really easy to find them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I believe there's good, good conspiracies to believe in, like you know the government dumping dope on 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 ghettos and. LSD on college campuses. There's great conspiracies that you can really believe in, but the, the stuff they're teaching these kids now, I, I mean, you can't even write a book about it. It's so 
it's so terrible. Yeah, I was talking about, um, I can't remember who I was talking about with, but I, I was talking about how, like, conspiracy theories used to be fun, like Art Bell and stuff, you know, like, like oh, check it out, check out what this, this guy's all about. Like, Oh, uh, Art Bell. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, being on tour, we used to listen to Art Bell all night long because, you know, he'd play, like, Minneapolis and have to drive to Seattle and be there the next day. Sure. So, and we'd listen to Art Bell. Just He was he was a king, yeah. And, but that's good UFO, flying saucer, you know. And, and, and But this stuff has been around, like David Icke with the lizard people. I yeah. mean, it's been around so long. It, to see it popularized is just amazing. But then you look at the, how it was and the tool it's used for. It's, it's, it's how it's been turned around into popular culture to actually be true. Some, I mean, some of it, you know, the, the lizard people. <laughs> maybe less so, yeah. <laughs> you, you can go out on a limb with that a little bit, maybe. But Well, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's an artist, Reptoid, that um, really lays into it. And it's something where, you know, he, he like, loves the conspiracy and, and loves the, uh, uh, the, the feelings behind it and, like, the people behind it, but, you know, is not a believer of these conspiracies. And he gets, he gets some pretty weird email. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he dresses like a, like a reptilian alien, and it's, like, this one guy on the drums and everything's sequenced. And it's, um, it's amazing, but it's also, like, yeah, I don't want to read your fan mail, man. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> Well, and it occurs to me also that God believes. Yeah, uh, they they might be out there. Who knows? Uh, I, we were trying to think the other day where QAnon came from. Yeah, I mean, who, you know, who, who started? Right, right. Who actually started QAnon? Like who where started it? From? it? Yeah. Do you know? Do you have any idea? I, I think it's like a, I think it's like either a, like a kid in New Jersey. <laughs> Like in his basement, or like an unemployed dude. I think it's funny. I have friends that call me right away because you know some of my songs and things like that kind of can, you know, go with that kind of some conspiracy theories type stuff. And I'm like, where did you get this garbage? You know, I went through the whole thing, and I just couldn't believe it's like. And and they believed it. You know, I think actually Mike Corso, the Godly bass player, is a huge QAnon guy. Which it's like, Mike, didn't you listen to any of our songs? You know, (sighs) Jesus Christ. But um, I I think it's National Enquirer. I really do. Oh, I like think Bat Boy behind. and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's. I think when we find this all out, I think at the end we're going to find out that QAnon is the National Enquirer on on uh, Facebook and uh, on the internet. I think that's I, that's my tip to you. It's well, just it looks like something you'd read at the tabloid, going at the cash register, you know, checking out, grab the yeah, Bat Boy eats alien eggs or. You know, you know, some strange headline, but look at it. I mean, if you look at it, someone's got to be with money behind it. Well, yeah, but then it's also like, well, what are they serving? Like, what is what are they hoping to get out of it? Well, we already seen what they gained about it. Look what yeah. look, look at our capital. I mean, to, the lie. I, it's oh gosh, when you go into it, it's just hilarious. Like John F. Kennedy's still alive and goes to Trump rallies and. <laughs> It's rude again. I, I think yeah. it's just small point of clarification. I believe it's meant to be JFK Jr., but uh, that's yeah. who it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, we know what we're talking about. Yeah, he didn't die in the plane crash, and oh my god, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's National Enquirer behind the whole thing because it's just so slighted towards Trump, and uh, and that guy's a really good friend of that of Trump, their buddies. 
Well, and so and so there's a few things to, to kind of pick up on there. But one thing I thought was really fantastic with Godbelly stuff is is there's a good amount of critical thinking with the uh, with the music and the songs. I kind of like put through your own uh, prism, so to speak. But there is that kind of initial like if you if you walked into that band without any context or without having a friend kind of tell you what was up or what was going on, it's just this this. this almost like scary presentation rick what what's going on like what <laughs> what is this like is this like what 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 are these guys all about and uh it just occurs to me that there's so little in life like that uh especially now like this the mystery in life for the most part is is, is taken out but you know even looking back at the footage like what made it into the um uh, the color of noise documentary and like looking back at that footage and be like wow yeah if you saw this like today it would still kind of be unnerving in a way in a good way in a, in a way that kind of makes you think about your surroundings and makes you think about like what it means to be at a rock show or whatever i mean were you trying to to like confuse baffle or annoy the rubes or was it something that just kind of happened naturally with all that it, it really comes from from being grown up in in, in the midwest and in uh just seeing what people go through to live, you know, and, and putting the shoe on the other foot. It, it's, uh, we had so many different rock and roll influences because being from Detroit, from Iggy Pop to MC5, and I mean, even Captain Beefheart. Sure. I mean, um, and we had some trance stuff that we do with our drummer because we could get some, some good trance music going. But it, it was all supposed to be an out of your body experience. Getting outside of your shoes and putting it on someone else's feet. Or getting outside of your body and being able to look at yourself a little bit. I mean, I couldn't believe, like, for one thing, when Tom Hazelmeyer started putting out our stuff, I really didn't think we were, like, a label for him. But uh, I was just so glad that he did it because, you know, Hayes is known for the power trio, the really right. heavy, heavy grinding um, stuff. And when he put out the God Bullies, I was just, like, amazed that he did that and uh, and, and thankful, too. Um and then we found out we were a lot alike. Uh, we both, we all love guns. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just uh, Tom was a ex marine. I was in the navy. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was just a, a different relationship. And you know, touring with the cows and a lot of the other bands. I mean, we fit in really well with the cows. As a matter of fact, I think uh, if I think of bands that I like the most and still like the most, and like you could play any time or put the record on right now, like we were talking about the earlier records yeah, in the seventies. Sure. The Cows are the band that you can constantly play and 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 still, you know, feel what they're doing. But uh, we toured a lot with them, and uh, I, th- I thought that was a great one-two punch. Uh, Shannon and me uh, on tour on the same stage together. Well, I mean, yeah, you, uh, see, you get two very powerful, intelligent front people kind of doing something that uh, is forcing people to be in the moment. And, and even though the, the results are maybe not even remotely close or like not necessarily uh, close a field to be in whatever the genre category would be in the bin in the, in the record store, you both have like a transgressive kind of performance that makes people think about where they're at. And I think that that's, uh, that's incredibly valuable. And that's not something that you see most bands try to do because I'm not necessarily certain if that gets you <laughs> fame and riches. <laughs> <laughs> necessarily well, uh, at that time it's totally about living in the now you know uh feeling a moment and and uh if you start thinking about riches or anything else uh like i i have thought if i was in this for money i'd have quit long time ago 
Um, it's it's really like you said earlier. It's about the now. It's living in the now, and I, I think that's the best way you could describe a cow show or or a God bully show. Is a uh, we're going to make you feel alive and in the room with us for this few moments we have together tonight. And and man, those forty five minutes you have with the crowd or whatever, however long, those are your minutes with those people, and uh, you want to impress them. You want to say make them feel like. We, we're all the same people. We have the same feelings. We have the same emotions. But we, basically, we've been lied to, and they've been misconstrued, and, and they're pointed to opposite directions. So those few moments we have together, it's all about living in the now. And uh, when you're touring and you're playing it for money, you're not even playing it for free beer. Much you have on stage that night. I couldn't believe how long the cows. I, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't do it. It, it, it was. Uh, they say. They say the definition of insanity is when you keep doing the same thing over again and expect different results. That's what it kind of got to be. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I, more power to Shannon in, in, in heroin sheiks and. Uh, just being able to keep keep doing it for that many years, uh, I I didn't have it in me. It's just it's just grinding. Yeah, but I, I love mean, making music and like after after God believes that you know I put out Thrall and Thrall, the Brain right? Saw mm -hmm. and well, they never sleep and yeah in uh in in uh some really other good music, but uh, you know it never really the distribution. Cello uh, Biafra put out a Thrall a couple Thrall records. Right, and he put out a God Bully record as well. He put out that last one, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Kill Kill the King, so that, right? Yeah, that was kind of cool uh, working with Jello. Uh, yeah, Jello's a right. Yeah, yeah, I, that that album I really like a lot. Yeah, that's got that's got some, and I kind of wanted to, to go through the records, uh, all of them. Uh, I tend to kind of do it sequentially because I think kind of think that's kind of a cool way to do it uh, would you would you mind doing that just kind of telling me like maybe a little bit of the thoughts behind each of the records yeah. and uh you know if you have any interesting stories or experiences that like tie with it or just think of like what the band was doing around that time are you you into that all right yeah 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 like the uh, first record uh was Plastic mama womb womb yeah oh yeah yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one on amrap uh, classic uh, guy was a was a, a second that came out right after that my bad. Sorry. <laughs> right. Was uh, it, and Plastic Guy came out after Amrap. It came out because it, it it actually came out in Germany on a written some on a different label. But yeah, and uh, and so but yeah, Mama Woman came out and uh, it has a couple songs on it from a play that we were doing called Voice Sec. It has a song on it called Red Blood. Yeah, it was from a play that we did that we met this weird German guy from this little theater in Kalamazoo and he, and uh, he we used to play there and he saw us live and he wanted to do this. Uh, play and we never heard of this George Bookner guy or who Voicek was yeah. so um, we got the script we read it and it turns out this George Bookner was like the Kurt Cobain of Germany in 1849 <laughs> he did three plays and you know had you know died very young I think more of a disease but uh, so we started doing this play and that song Red Blood is is from that play and like I said it's the murder scene after he kills Marine he comes back to town he's got blood on his hands and he's got a knife and He's, you know, Serious uh, saying uh, it wasn't me, you know, yeah. So it's a, and so that that was like the first album, and Hayes put that out, and uh, then then Plastic Guy came out, which was from uh, live at uh, uh, some of it was live at uh, the Cabaret Metro in uh, Chicago, Chicago, yeah. And uh, 
then the, uh, the next record, Dog Show, um, I, I don't know. We get to uh, we did all all those records. David recorded them on eight track. Interesting. And, so and we, you, you have a limited amount of uh, space to work with when you got when you're doing it through eight oh, track, right? So. <laughs> oh right, yeah. You dump the drums. You do all the drums, and you dump them down to a mix, and then you start doing the individual tracks. And David was the master of the eight track on uh, on those first two records. Uh, I think he did the Cows uh, second album at, at about the same time we did uh, Dog Show. Right. Yeah. And, that, that that would track. Right. That's around the same time. Yeah. 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 So he, uh, David was just a, around a eight track. He was just fantastic. And uh, so, and Dog Show, I really like a lot. Uh, it has "Let's Go to Hell" on it, which yeah. was probably got yeah, um, which you know, a perfect song for the God Bullies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> has a great rock rock and roll beat and. Uh, well, you got like, and you got songs like "Do It Again," which is sort of like uh, almost like '70s, uh, yeah. kind of like, you know, strutting. I mean, I hesitate to say like Aerosmith or something, but like big, big rock kind of feel, like as through your guys' lens. Right. And, yeah. Hazelmeyer loved the, that lyric. Uh, it feels good to the very last drop. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, uh, we're we're a different band for Amrap. Man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and there, really. there's there's more like you know almost like space psychedelic stuff going on there. Um, yeah, kind of like I, I think of sort of classic, uh, you know, butthole surfers like when they would just you know have have a perfectly nice song and then you know kind of go someplace batshit crazy with it, uh, like like that same sort of ethos, but like put through your own uh, your own meat grinder, <laughs> if you right. will. Well, um, yeah, and, and with Dog Show, it's a little bit more rock, and it doesn't quite. Well, it, well, it does have "I'm Invisible" on it, which is a really, really good song. Yeah. But the 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 first album uh, was with Tommy Shannon uh, instead of David Livingstone. Most of that stuff was written with Tommy Shannon, and uh, he plays maybe a little bit, of that, but David pretty much plays all the guitars on it. And Tommy Shannon came back to play all uh, the guitar, main guitar on uh, uh, "Kill the King." Right. So uh, that, that's why with uh, the first album, uh, Mama Woomoom, it's a little bit more uh, psychedelic, uh, maybe. Um, and then uh, the, four, the third album, uh, War on Everybody, was done with uh, uh, Tony from The Cows, plays drums on that. And that was recorded up in Minneapolis uh, in David's apartment on the 8-track. And uh, Eric Paulson plays bass on that, who was uh, from some bands in Kalamazoo. And basically, Mike and... Uh, at that time, Mike and Adam weren't with the band anymore because it's just so hard to tour and keep a band going and different responsibilities. And we, David and I still wanted to do it. And uh, Tony um, just got back from that uh, the Cows tour. And uh, I don't know, he, uh, that was after Shannon broke both his arms. And that was a really tough Oof. tour for the Cows. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was really... Uh, yeah, it, I, we were on tour with them. We played the CMJ and we were actually at uh, uh, CBGB's when Shannon came back with both of his arms broken, riding on the back of a motorcycle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like four in the morning. Leave, leave it to Shannon Selberg, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, Shannon, you, you better go to the hospital. You're not, that doesn't look too good, man. It was, oh my gosh. So um, that must have been a hell tour. Well, and that's um, Warren, everybody. That's, there, there's, a, there's a great line, uh, unfortunately, relatively evergreen. With that, you know, the color of blood is the color of war. The color of war is the color of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's what year did that come out? That was 
I know it. I, I, 91, right? Yeah, the color of blood is the color of war. The color of war is the color of money. Piggy, 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 piggy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what it's so crazy because, you know, people didn't riot on the Capitol because, you know, all the wealth in the country is controlled by 96% of the people or they totally fucked up the COVID thing and you've lost 500,000 people or your job or you're, you can't pay your rent. No, you know what I mean? They, yeah. No one... It's like that's how blind we are and how misled we are. They, they, they went up there and did that shit over a lie. So, yeah, when you think about back then, this is what we were saying. It hasn't changed much or else we're fucking Nostradamus. Right. And I have to think it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd be, it'd be nice I, to I like, take has, credit. but <laughs> Yeah, but it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed much, you know, or, or it's gotten worse. But, uh, yeah, the people in power are the people in power, and it's a constant battle. And, and people just, God dang, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's the dummy down, you know, like the dummy mm-hmm. down they're dealing with people. So they're just so stupid. They can't make decisions for themselves. But um, it's happening and it's 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 getting worse. <laughs> you know, if you can imagine being worse than like Ronald Reagan and, and you know, yeah, the Bush oh, thing and the Gulf Wars and, and uh, David Koresh and Ruby Hill, uh, Ruby Ridge and all that stuff that went on when we were writing that stuff, you know. I mean, I even think back to like how the Oklahoma City bomb. You no, know, totally. Yeah, like like it. It, it, yeah. it, it reminds me of uh, when our biggest problem was like the Patriot Act, right? Where it's like, oh no, they're taking, you know, they're going to be in everyone's up in everyone's business. It's like, yeah, now that's just an assumed thing. It's just sort of everybody's okay. It's with assumed, it. yeah. Fine. Yeah, right. everybody's okay. Fine. Yeah, track <laughs> me. Listen to listen into my conversations. You know, I. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's taken for granted. Maybe the, the younger kids don't don't care about it as much. Uh, well, they I don't know. They haven't grown up with anything else. Some of them, so you know, they they don't don't even remember a time that, that wasn't the case. But um, yeah, it's well. So just getting back, you know, right? Back. That, that's, <laughs> that's a deep hole we can go down. Trust yeah, me. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So war on war, war on everybody. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So you you in yeah. the um you, you got that uh one at the end um. The dawn, it's like the dawn of the dead sample. Oh right, yeah, yeah. David, David did that pretty much without without me. I mean, I, I think I might have some shouting somewhere on it somewhere, but right. that, that was all done uh, up in Minneapolis with uh, David, um, Tony, and Eric. But really nice, yeah. Dawn of the dead on that. But we've always had some great samples. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, but used in such a way that it wasn't like necessarily. Uh, you know the centerpiece of the song, but like it's something that no. like you use as like a garnishment. Garnishment, garnish. right? A garnish. Garnishment is when sometimes your wages garnish. We'll say. Right. <laughs> so the yes. so when you're talking about war and everybody, like think talk about all right. So ninety one. There's a lot going on around ninety one. There, there's there's a lot happening. <laughs> if you're not aware, Mike, where there was a lot happening yeah. that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might have, I, I might not know the details so well, but uh, yeah, it was written at a time where there's a lot of turmoil, and uh, the I think the beginning of this whole movement we're seeing right now is kind of like started gradually around the early '90s, like what we're seeing, and it, and like the, what we're seeing with the takeover of the media and the mind. It's just, uh, I think that's when it first started because. Um, at that time, we were just starting getting into the computer age, if I think right, if I remember right. Computers weren't fully on your desk or on your phone or or anything. So we're not really in the information age yet. But um, the you could see how it was all lining up, you know. Did you ever there, – there was that movie – I think it was 90 
five hackers where uh, uh, I, I actually happened to like accidentally sort of rewatch part of it recently, and it, it occurred to me how much of it was revolved around like payphones and like <laughs> and like they recorded oh. the tones, and it's like wow, like explain what a payphone is now. Like good luck, yeah, <laughs> trying to figure that right. out. Right. Uh, but or by, beeper, right? Right, exactly. But 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 by the same token, the inherent uh, power dynamics between uh, the characters and you know what they're attempting to accomplish, uh, you know, the the adversaries, the heavies, if you will, within that movie, you know, it's not hard to like draw a parallel between like, wow, that was like twenty five years ago, but mm, kind of the same things going on. Really, it's just that like you know the the special effects look much better, and there's not so much payphone involvement, really. The human mind is the human mind, right? I mean, it's it's a tool for some people, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a magical device for if you know how to use it right. And it's kind of been turned turned into a tool. Uh, but you know, ninety one. You know, I look at what I what when that record came out, and there's a like the song "Ordinary Man." It's like I'm just an ordinary man, you know. But you know, I have these this psychosis going you know and uh it's like he's saying i'm having the worst time of my life so i'm going to go on and take it out on someone else right and uh yeah i mean that's what that's what you started seeing you know around 91 where people this this kind of narcissism start creeping in that's really come into full blown right right about with this this age well and with your with your dynamic you know, life. We, we, we made the, uh, I guess I'm making movie illusions now. It's like all I'm doing, but like, like falling down. But I think also about like the classic, um, like, like the preacher character, the, uh, you know, the, 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 I think uh, Tom Waits said it eloquently with the, the preacher with a gun in his hand, like aspect. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's always kind of the vibe that I got off of what you were, you're doing to the God bullies. And it was sort of like, I don't necessarily understand what's being thrown down right now, but I'm goddamn right. Going to listen. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. Well, you know, I was—I think I was more the preacher with the the child in his hand uh, than the gun. And right, right. Uh, and uh, we did like the baby doll thing as that type of symbol. It was like, here's this mad guy holding a baby. You know, what is he? Gonna, is he going to yeah, drop what's it? Is he, gonna, is he going to kiss it? I mean, is he, what is he going to do? Is he going to nurture it? And, and so, you know, I mean, our shows used to be like we would have pornography all over the stage and baby dolls and flowers that we uh, stuck into a cemetery and stole the plastic flowers off the heap in the back and uh, American flags everywhere, um, right. crosses, crosses. <laughs> and we tried to wreck it, destroy it all by the end of the night to take these icons and just totally destroy them. And, you know, hopefully the baby made it to the night without its body parts being torn off by the crowd. <laughs> which is so interesting because it's sort of like yeah that that action's not t- being done by the band but it's being done by like your reaction to what is happening uh on the stage i know i i give the audience the baby like it's my child and i hand it to them and they start just tearing on it and ripping it apart you know it's like <laughs> hold it no no hold, hold it to your nipple you know uh well and, and that's that's kind of one of the things that <clears throat> You know, there there being this sort of a cracked element of, of you know, a, a cracked mirror towards society, right? Like that, like you know, it's it's like okay, we're gonna present this this image, these these images, these visuals to you, along with uh, the music presented in this manner, and what how you react to it is just as much a part of the show as anything else which sounds like at the elementary level oh, like obvious but it's sure. <laughs> but it's not 
<laughs> is what right. I'm trying to say. Oh man, uh, where's the where's the place where's the place in? Uh, where's the place in Berkeley? It's a uh, everyone played uh, Gilman uh, something Street, Gilman Street, oh, ninety four Gilman. Uh, anyway, Gilman Street. Yeah, so we played Gilman Street one time. There you go. So we played Gilman Street, and you know how like, uh, Berkeley is. Half the we bring out the American flag. It's like maybe I'm wearing it as a diaper or something. But um, it starts to eventually get set on fire, of course, right? So does, yeah. at, at Gilman Street. One side of the audience is lighting the lighting the the flag on fire, and the other side is putting it out with you know like no, it's American flag. It's you know the other in the other thing if type crowd from Berkeley are lighting it on fire. So here's a symbol being representing two different things to two different people, right. and uh, eventually I had to take the flag away from them. They weren't being they, they weren't being nice to each other. It was right. terrible. I had to re- take the toy away. Oh God, is that ever an analog but, for American politics, huh? But yeah, you know, it's just like you said, it is what it is. It's symbols are symbols to different people and they, they represent different things. And we're all about destroying all icons, destroying all symbols and, and, and uh, becoming a human again. And so that was the process of a show it was coming out uh, all structured in a suit and tie with a structure all around you, holding a Bible and all this, this structure and then taking it all away, removing it, you know, and becoming naked. Did you ever have any uh, right? And and with um, with the records, did you ever have any concerns towards, um, you know, like when you have vocals affected, like you're not necessarily getting like anyone that's like willing to like listen to the lyrics and want to like find out more about it. They're gonna listen intently and find it, but it doesn't make it doesn't make it as easy to get a message out necessarily it, it makes it more like a, not an instrument necessarily but like a part of like the greater whole did you ever right. have any thoughts towards that well i i did start putting lyrics on my uh thrall records and the last god bullies because of that problem with yeah. like the words you know and and you know rock and roll is rock and roll i when i hear it i know exactly what i'm saying so i think everyone else can so <laughs> right but people so. but people are like you know oh there's a cool guitar riff there's this is happening over there and and, and they, they focus on different things and what what i've what I've personally found is people tend to assume it's something far more mundane and mediocre than what it actually is. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> that's, that's life. Yeah. Uh, but but the reason why I ask is because it is because what you're singing about and what you were addressing was like, you know, r- literate, like like good turns of phrases, like good, like, you know, oh, wow, that's thoughtful. That's that's interesting. Um, you know, I dreamt I was at your funeral. I stood in line just to see you dead. You know, like, yeah, that's a great song, uh, and, it totally, and that song couldn't have been done without Tony and uh, and uh, Eric. But yeah, that song. Uh, yeah, I stood in line just to see you dead. I mean, that's what you do when you go to a funeral. Yeah. You stand in line, and, it's, <laughs> and, and you're right. It's mundane, right? It is. Yeah. But it's it's it kind of saying like that. It's it's uh, it, it comes a little bit more creepier and mysterious. But uh, and then and then someone and at the funeral, like the old old fart rolls old, over on you. You know, I, I mean, he's talking. He's saying stuff that's not that you know. How, uh, they hire the priest for the moment, and he's got like ten funerals to do that day. So I mean, you're the first or second or third one, and uh, you don't know how sincere it is, or if you're talking about the person he actually knows, or if just saying a few good words before you move on to the next level. Just but yeah, knocking him out and thinking about what's for lunch exactly. <laughs> next, yeah. Like, like, like the this the world's saddest assembly line. But I mean, that said, yeah. you know, it's a routine like any other. I suppose, right. you know. Okay. Cool. Right. 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 Uh, 
you know, we 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 kind of glossed a little past it. We we uh, but the what what did the different players in the band uh, bring to it? Because because you're coming out from perspective of like you're the lightning rod, like you're 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 the you know you're you're the, the focus point for a lot of people. But what's happening with the band is pretty vital, and changing any aspect of it is going to change the uh, the uh, the chemistry. Like chemistry is an overutilized term, but I'm literally thinking of chemistry, like mixing different chemicals together. Right, right. Well, as as a singer, and I'm not a musician, so I I, I would write write with the music I would get, right. you know, and, and what would get from the band, and it's all who could work together the best, and and uh, you know, musicians are are, are very dysfunctional. I, I hate to say it, probably more. I don't know, singers are too. I mean, but trying to get four guys to do anything together or five guys, even when you add that fifth variable, oh my god, it is so hard, you know, to get anyone to agree or do anything. So. Um, yeah, the dynamics are created out of just working together and jamming and getting a feel for each other. And, uh, you know, thank God I've had musicians that believe in the words I'm saying, because um, that's really important. If, if, the, if the musicians don't believe in what you're saying as a singer or don't stand behind it. I mean, when David uh, Livingstone recites some lyrics, I have a song. I'm just like, totally, oh, my God, oh, my God, he understands, you know, and uh, it makes me really, really happy that he stands behind what I'm saying um, yeah. as a singer and as a front man, because... I can't just go up there and talk up, sing about cars and girls and, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be disingenuous, right? It, w- it wouldn't be where right. you're coming at. And it's, it's, I mean, I think you could say a lot of things about uh, God bullies, but inauthentic would definitely not be one of them. You know, it's, it's right. I, I, you know, it's, again, coming at it without any context whatsoever is almost disarming at first. You're like, what's going on with this? Uh, but yeah. oh, I can imagine when you put on uh, Active Desire on, and, and you know you have Jack Van Empty, you know, going on there. You know, it's the beat, the beat, the beat of the drums, louder and faster, faster and louder. You know, and Adam's just going to it on with his tribal yeah. drum beat. That's the first song. I think um, yeah, it sets a good it sets a good kind of trance for the rest of the record on uh, on. Uh, Mama Umum. Yeah, that reminds me almost, uh, and I'm, you know, I don't know if it was anything that was in mind or not, but uh, like Flowers of Romance with PIL, where it's just it's like, wow, it's interesting that there's like so little happening. Like the, the- I know, and I loved it. And Act of Desire, I just sampled with David sampled it back in the day with a sampler in like 1985 or 87, and it, I just said Act of Desire, and we just kept hitting a button, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, but then we have other stuff where my lyrics are all the way through it, and it's a full song. Um, uh, I'm Invisible is another one kind of that was on. Um, uh, I'm Invisible's on uh, Dog Show, and uh, once again, very simple lyrics. I am invisible. You can see through me. You know, all you see is yourself. I am invisible. Uh, but so, simple, simple lyrics. But in the like in the delivery and execution, uh, it, it's almost like the. Um, are you familiar with the? It's like an acting exercise where you're given a word and you have to say the same word back back and forth to each other uh, in different ways and present your emotions and have a conversation using the same word. Are you familiar with this? Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it, it's okay not to. But it's sort of like you get two two actors and you, you say, okay, your word is marmalade. And somebody's like, marmalade, marmalade marmalade you know they they, they say things okay, yeah. in a All different right, way yeah. to evoke different emotions and i guess where i'm and believe me i have a place I of going with you. this 
what I think about is in terms of, uh, you know, like I, I felt like you did some stuff uh, with that where instead of being like heady and loquacious and like here's 16 pages worth of lyrics, you know, not that there were lyrics on, on those records, uh, it's almost like think of, you know, the Stooges with no fun. It's very, it's very clear. Like, you know, right. by, by the inflection, what what is meant. Like, the emotion it gets across in the inflection. And I guess where I'm going at with that is being, you know, knowing uh, as you as you advance and as the band continued to play and uh, evolve and change, did you find that you were able to dig down deeper in different ways? And what kind of stuff did you, did you find people responded to or that worked for you to kind of push yourself to do different stuff? but also not necessarily have different be more per se. Well, it, uh, once again, as, as a, a front man, probably even more than a singer, um, I've always relied on the mu- musician to bring the material with them. And uh, they know what I'm writing my songs about and what my lyrics are. So they know that like the, the mood they want to create with their music. Uh, and, and then with that music, I see the mood that they're trying to create. And then I also try to create a song that's around that mood of that song. So like when I get a song like I'm Invisible and it's more or less a jam through the whole thing, um, I don't want to get too complex. You know, I, 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 I don't I, the story can be very, very simple because it's built around the music where a song like I like it like that or uh, yeah. which or uh, like you were saying um, uh, earlier uh uh, what was the song? Uh, Let's do it again. Yeah, that's that's more of like a rock. What they gave me, like you said, is a rock and roll beat. Let's do it. Do, 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 do. So yeah. I, I want a rock and roll song with that. So yeah, let's do it again. You know, I stood up, I fell down. You know, uh, let's let's do it again. And uh, so that, that that's kind of the mood that they created. It's a great rocker. So so then it has more like rock and roll lyrics to it. Um, if you listen to like. Uh, uh, ordinary man starts out with a guitar solo and then it's got that pace to it that really nervous nervous pace to yeah. it so i'm uh, so i'm this really nervous guy that's you know he's going to go down to the adult video arcade during my lunch hour <laughs> right. you know and, uh, <laughs> right like so so it's almost like the the feel the feel of the music uh kind of incites the, yeah, the the lyrics and and the story that's being told, the allegory, the right, 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 right. I mean, yeah, I could be something else about just being that nervous uh, guy at lunch that no one understands. He has no friends and no one wants to talk to him, and the only free time he has is his lunch hour. Right, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but at the time that I was around a lot of of women that were working in like peep shows and, and strip shows and. That's what, so they're telling me this stuff, you know. Then I'm hanging around with them, like, oh my god, are you serious? We did what? Oh, you got to watch. Oh my, oh, I don't know how you could do that job, you know. And uh, so, you know, once again, it's influenced by the community and the people I'm hanging around with. And ordinary man's a very scary man, you know. He's very, very scary. He's yelling war on everybody at the end. War on, you know, war on peace, war on crime, war on everybody all the time. War on everybody. You know, so at the the beginning of the song, you know, no one understands him. But at the end of the song, you understand him. Well, it's it's like the you know the idea that you know everyone contains uh, multitudes. What is that, Whitman? Like, is that I can't remember who 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 said that. But you know, it's it's the idea that people people aren't just one thing. People aren't just uh, you know caricature or 
you know, like a, <laughs> I guess people today would say a non-player character. That's become a phrase that people talk about a lot now. Um, but it, it, it's interesting that uh, to me that so much of what you wrote about, like, you know, whether it was, you know, revelatory, celebratory or, you know, on the darker side, it was, you know, talking about not even just the duality of man, but the many, the multidimensional aspects of what made people who and what they were searching for and doing. And it's something that, um, like a lot, a lot of people that are like front men and like, you know, as I've often said, like the lightning rods of jackassery wouldn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily go for it that way, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, uh, on, uh, on War on Everybody, uh, there's a song called Look at, What Are You Looking For? And that's exactly what it is right there. It's like, well, what are you looking for? You know, I mean, th- that's a dealing with exactly what you're just talking about, you know, dealing with as being a, a, a singer in a rock and roll band. It's like you, you come to me to be your savior or you think I'm anything more than what you are. I'm right. just, you know, I'm just revealing myself to you in in uh that's that's about as simple as, as it is. I'm not a savior. I'm not, you know. What what are you looking for? You know, it's uh, yeah. It talks about just being led astray your whole life, and uh, coming back and then coming and then coming to a person like me and like, I'm not the answer. I, I I'm just the vehicle. Right. You know <laughs> exactly. You're 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 the the delivery system, if you if you will. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um. You know, we talked we talked a bit about the present, like the live presentation and. Um, kind of alluded to the almost like preacher aspect of it, but also just the, uh, you, you know, front man as the plight of the common man and the duality within. But it occurs to me, uh, first of all, that's a very pretentious sentence. Uh, secondly, it also occurs to me that, um, you know, there's a rich tradition of, you know, if you're going to be the singer, if you're the person singing, like you better bring the show. And, right. And when you were thinking about what you wanted to do, did you have anything in mind? Uh, did you have any uh, other artists that you're like, wow, that's really cool. That's an interesting presentation. You know, I'm going to steal that or I'm going to do my version of that or something along those lines. I mean, I think and anybody with with a forceful presence, no matter what, you're always going to get an Iggy. Uh, oh, oh, always. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> But, right, and I think anybody that's a front man is going to get an Iggy, cons- cons- uh, you know, thing because Iggy's the man. I mean, Iggy's the front man of front men. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's yeah. greatest of all time. I mean, it's okay oh, to be yeah. compared to geniuses, right? <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, I'm six foot three, and uh, he's only five foot one. Well, I, and that's the thing—you cut a much more imposing presence. And like I would say, right. in the same reign as uh, Eugene Robinson I, for Moxbow, that it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of Iggy-like, but like in presence, it's different and it hits differently. It, Right, 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 and that's why I hated the comparison, you know. It, um, but you know, but if you're going to be a frontman, someone's always going to say something about Iggy. But you know, I guess I, I don't know. When I went to high school, I was listening to Steven Tyler and Aerosmith and Kiss and you know uh, uh, Frank Zappa. I mean, those were kind of my early things that I was listening to. So I, I, I don't know how I developed that character that I wanted to present or who it came from. But yeah, I saw all those bands, uh, and uh, you know, Iggy was like my first big. Even before the Pistols, uh, Iggy was my uh, uh, punk rock experience. You know, the the very first thing where, and you know, I was really fortunate. I did that movie Mosquito, and I got to hang around with Ron Ashton the whole yes. summer. I, I, I've, I've got, been meaning to bring that up, but I it, yeah. it would it would have seemed like a really <laughs> really brutal interjection. But yeah, please oh, tell me about Mosquito. But, 
Uh, well, it was just great because you know Gunnar Hansen from Leatherface is plays by I play his younger brother. Yeah, and I, I went to movie drive-ins to see the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Gunner in it. So you just think later on in life, I'm in a movie with Gunner. You know, it's just, you, you never believe it. But the, the best thing was that Ron Ashton was also in the movie. And he's done several movies with these, this whole group of people. So he was very comfortable. And it was just great. We had a whole summer at this woods, out in the woods, because it's about giant six-foot mosquitoes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's, from that, it's from that grand tradition of, like, the monster movie as like not meaning CGI, but like no, like this just is just before CGI. Yeah, this is yeah. A, just this before is, the green screen. This is not just practical effects. This is the most practical of practical effects. This is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, and it is before all the CGI and all this stuff. So it's it's got that feel to it, like you said. But uh, yeah, having Ron in uh, there for the whole summer, you got I got to hear so many Iggy stories and just sure. so much about that band. It, it was great. It was and it was before Iggy took him back. Right, so Ron still had a lot of acts to grind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's something where, you know, what a, what a guitar player! Like, what what an iconic yeah. and astounding guitar! Like, like one of my favorites of all time for sure. And like, yeah, yeah. I met him when he was in Dark Carnival, and uh, yeah. we, he st- he stayed at my house in Kalamazoo um, after a show, and I, I hung out with him in, in Dark Carnival a little bit. And uh, but then when we did the movie together, I really got to know him, and he he was a he's a prankster. He loved uh, pulling the old pranks. I can only imagine how much, how much, how terrible it must have been. Kind of Iggy in a band with Ron and his brother, um, just on his ass the whole time. <laughs> I mean, they must have just been just like watch Iggy go, watch Iggy go, you know, and just encouraged him to be the most fucked up, do the most fucked up shit, so they could just watch him and laugh. Uh, right. Those two brothers, Scott and Ron. Uh, I, like I said, uh, at the movie set, Ron was always pulling some type of fucking prank, and uh, he didn't have any respect for lead singers, at, yeah, <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, he probably had something of an adversarial relationship at that point, right? I mean, it's sort of like you know, it's yeah. Uh, but but again, it's like yeah, but he's like, like I, we we got along great. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. He just like you're not, you know, you're, you're a fucking singer. You're not a musician, you know, you're not, you know, <laughs> it's, you, it's, it's what came first, the, the chicken or the egg type thing, you know? Yeah. With, that, with, with the students, you know? I mean, it's like, um, it, it just, it, it makes me sad that, uh, I've I've talked to James Williamson and that was, that was brilliant. That was great. But like, I, I wish that, right. wish I'd had the chance to like talk to Ron. I did get to see him play with, um, Jay Maskus and Mike Watt. And um, right, right, like yeah. They, they they dragged him out, and actually Scott uh, Scott McKay um, came out too. And like, I was one of like three people in the audience that was like, "Oh my god!" And everyone's like, "Who's that guy?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" Right, ah, Ron Ashton, man. It's fucking Ashton. Are you kidding me here? Um, and a self, he invented a, a guitar style that totally, you know, there would be no Sonic Youth. There would be, absolutely. you know, anything without Ron first. Right, yeah. And uh, I, I can tell you a funny Ron story uh, about the movie. At the end, everyone signed, Everyone has their script book, you know, and yeah. everyone signs everyone else's script book. Okay. And uh, so the lead girl, real, a real cute girl, really, uh, lead actress, she hands out her script book for everybody to sign. So Ron signs it, and he, and he uh, draws a giant penis with hair, hairy balls and pubic hair all over it, and then signs it Mike Hart. And gives it back to the girl. 
So <laughs> this, the rest of the time, she thinks I'm this fucking pervert that signed her <laughs> script book, you know, with a giant hairy penis, you know, spitting out cum. <laughs> and Ron's just sitting there, you know, that I could totally imagine. I felt that that's when I felt like Iggy. I, I did yeah, feel yeah. like Iggy at that point. <laughs> Ron's just sitting there with a big shit ass grin. Knowing that, you know, this chick thinks I'm scum now. And uh, she still to this day thinks I drew the cock on her uh, on her script book. He's doing that stuff the whole movie. I mean, something he'd call it, drop, make you drop a line. <laughs> uh, was it uh, Ranger Hendrix? Was that his, what his, his character's name, Ron, Ron? I think, if I remember correctly. I think it's been, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. After, after his favorite guitarist. After Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitar player, yeah, he was Ranger Hendrix, right? <laughs> yeah, what a fun time! Uh, how was was Gunnar Hansen a cool guy? Was he good to work with? Yeah, yeah. Oh, a fantastic guy, super, the gentle giant. And uh, like every day, we rode to set together. Uh, he stayed in the same town, so we take ride the same car up together. And uh, yeah, I got to hear all about Toby Hopper and how they did that movie and how yeah. You know, they were pretty much locked out at that farm for like a month or two months straight. And they, it was a totally controlled environment. And, and uh, yeah, uh, everybody went nuts. He didn't get, make any money on it, you know, of course. You know, never got paid anything for it. And he just, I, he came over and I would show some of the uh, band's albums I'd have with his image on the front. Like uh, yeah. there's a compilation from Chicago, uh, some meet something, and he's on it. And then there's a, a anti-scene 45 with him on the cover and he was just couldn't believe how his image was was totally reused again by all these bands well it was very punk rock right Uh, it was it was something that was adopted by because at the time because there wasn't any there wasn't that type of movie around at the time like now now i feel like it's more common like i think everything's you know more common but like oh my god there was nothing like that that was the freakiest movie it was it was you know it was like oh my god yeah and he said there's no blood in the movie if you watch it. Yeah. You don't there's there's no blood in it at all besides the only blood in the movie I guess is when the guy accidentally and accidentally dropped a hammer on the guy's head in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, that was an accident and he and he did get blood from that, but that wasn't even supposed to happen in the first place. But, uh, yeah, he, it was interesting and and you could see how that movie was made, how intense it is and I don't know if it was on purpose, but uh, Toby created a very intense environment for them to work in, and it came out like that. But I, re- like I said, I saw that at a drive-in in high school. So yeah, it's, that's gonna, <laughs> that's something that's going to change your world. I mean, like the thing that gets me too is it's not like there's anything supernatural or like alien or anything happening. It's like uh, anyone that's ever been on tour and has ever like, you know, taken like a wrong turn down. Like- <laughs> right. I, I see that movie. And I always think of Gibby and the butthole surfers. I, oh, <laughs> because they, I think they did a short film similar to that, but every time I see, uh, yeah, Texas chainsaw massacre, I kind of think of that. This is like the butthole surfer stuff, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that, I think that they would probably be honored by that comparison. I would say to, to a certain degree. <laughs> They, yeah. would not, they would not be bummed out by it. Yeah, scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, it's it's you know it it provokes a reaction, but uh, it comes at it from a way that freaks you the hell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched uh, the the first Last House on the Left with my daughter. She seen the new one that came oh, sure. out years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I said, oh, you never seen the first one? And I actually found it on a video. You know, so. Yeah, she could. The difference in those two movies are amazing, but the first one's still really intense, you know. I'm... That's the rare example of when there's a remake 
that like you know it's sort of like oh it isn't like oh they made this and it sucks it's like oh no kind of it's just a different it's a different kind of take almost yeah, um, yeah. This, this is this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna sound really a pretentious b kind of niche but it's like sorcerer and wages of fear that they're different movies that kind of like they do the same thing but they, they it's approached from a different way and it just occurs to me how how little that actually happens it's usually like oh there's this remake and it sucks or like oh the original one wasn't good and like the remake's better or whatever and in, and right. in, in those cases it kind of seemed like oh it's just the this is the different take on this and you know it, it hits slightly differently in certain ways because of it right or just they can't write a good script anymore in Hollywood, so they keep doing these old ones over and over again. <laughs> and there's plenty of great scripts being written. They just don't want to do it because they want to. Yeah, know, oh, yeah, yeah. They they want their previous yeah, established commodity. Yeah, I started. To, I tried to do a little acting, and um, I, I did a little bit of stuff because Mosquito it was cool. But you know, I found out it sucked. I, I hated it. It was terrible. It was oh, yeah? just like a job. Mosquito. Yeah, because someone's telling you what to say. Well, someone's telling you what to say, what to do, how to do it. It was just like a job. And I'm like, give me back rock and roll. You know, give me. You know, let me write my own stuff and perform it. I, I don't like this being, you know, bossed around by a director thing. <laughs> Didn't like it one bit. Can you? So, so we alluded to it actually before we sort of blasted through all the records. But Kill the King, the one that uh, Jello did in AT, I mean, that was the first one right. that there was. You included lyrics in it. There wasn't a bunch of um, like effects on the voice. Uh, yeah, you know, there, there's no at least at least half of it, if I remember correctly, doesn't really have like a spoken word sampler or anything. It's almost like th- th- there was different things going on in that record than um, than before. Was was there an idea of like, hey, let's let's try this? For a bit, or was it like a greater idea behind uh, doing it in that way as opposed to what you've done in the other records? Yeah, it was a totally different record from the get go because Tommy was back playing guitar and not David. So yeah, um, what ha- what happened is um, I was working with the band Thrall and uh, Jello uh, did a Thrall record, but he really wanted to do a God Bully record really really bad. Yeah, and, and so when I did the Thrall stuff at that same studio, which is like Fifty Four Sound, it's a really famous studio in uh, in. Uh, Detroit. Uh, Eminem ended up working there later. And Joel Martin, the guy that produced the whole thing, was the the publishing behind Eminem. So we got this chance to work in this killer uh, studio that Funkadelic recorded in, Aretha Franklin recorded in, um, the Romantics all recorded there. So that was the first time, that was the first record that David didn't do on an 8-track. So right away, we're in this big Detroit, you know, famous studio. And uh, we did the Thrall record there, and Joel Martin did it for advance which was pennies you know like a couple thousand bucks from jello so he was super cool because really it was like a you know a couple thousand dollar an hour studio right yeah <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah so he just liked us we got to do it and um so that from the get-go was a whole different arrangement so i got the bands back together but david was still living in minneapolis so um and tommy was in kalamazoo and and so was uh mike corso so i said jello wants to do this record you know do you guys want to do something so they all wanted to do something and uh we started rehearsing it and getting it going so the songs are more tommy song than david song okay which makes um, sense makes sense a, why it would hit a big difference yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense oh yeah 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 and, and you can tell because there's a lot more psychedelic like uh you know, two plus, not two plus two, but um, Space Kid Zoom. Yeah. Um, David, the cool thing D- David did with that record is he mi- he mixed Hate, the song called Hate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about a eight-minute song, and uh, he mixed that like only David Livingstone could, and on this big, huge 
board. And to me, I think it's a masterpiece how he just the song diminishes into this wall of noise. It, it, it and kind it of starts almost... out really rhythmically, and then it just 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 turns into. You know who motivates the motivator? Right, right. Like, like it has a, a like who psychedelic the motivator. You know, <laughs> psychedelic in such a way that um, it, it starts one place and like ends in another, like it, very much an, another. <laughs> yeah, just a yeah, a total collage of noise at the end, and and that was uh, David out, and that was what David did. I think he might have played a little bit of guitar on that song as well, but pretty much it was all done by Tommy, Mike Corso, and Adam Berg, right, and uh, in the big studio. So yeah, it had a different sound because it was just you know really working with quality equipment and more, uh, more not than that, not that working with David on the eight track. Yeah, 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 bumping all the drums down to one, you know, from four to one, and you know all that stuff. Um, it was just a nice comfortable recording session yeah but I, I i think uh kill the king the song uh king of sling is one of my favorite songs I yeah just, yeah it's i love the lyrics in it I, it the way yeah it rolls right along it's it's one of my favorite songs yeah uh and same with space kids zoom it's just so psychedelic you know uh hey 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 let's get blown away doesn't matter what people say <laughs> it's yeah yeah it, it's, it's got the it's got the great line it's like we're going through the process to process our mind. Don't worry. We do this all the time. Right, right. You, know, so. <laughs> you got that assurance in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, um, well, and there's also, uh, uh, what's the, what's, hold on, uh, the artificial insemination. Um, oh, yeah. Right? How about that one? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good time, too. <laughs> Once again, artificial what a great, what by a great yeah, at the yeah. very end, it says, uh, I, I, I must have killed, yes, yeah, or jack off, yeah, um, which is pretty much the chorus in it. I love the end, it says, I must, uh, you alone can prevent the second coming of Christ. I must have killed millions and millions of babies with my bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, let's jack off, right, know? right, right. Can, can, can you speak um, a little bit about Pretty and the Inside? That's a pretty um, interesting piece on that Whoa. record. Well, it was done with Karen Neal, who was the bass player in Thrall. Yep. And she was in a band Inside Out and Lickety Clit and uh, Queen Bee. So fantastic bass player, killer musician. And, uh, well, um, that is, I don't know if I, it, it, at the end I say Courtney. Um, it was written after a conversation in Germany at a whole show in the back uh, room uh, where do you want the full story? Absolutely. Yes, please. All right. So we're on tour in Germany. And we got like three or four days with Hole, right? And uh, Courtney's in the back room and there's this other guy who's smoking hash in a pipe, you know, and he's, he's, a, he's from Germany. And he hijacked a plane from East Germany to West Germany to be free. Right. This is before the wall came down. Right, right, right. When he did it, the wall was already down when this happened. So he's smoking hash with everyone and telling us the story how he hijacked a plane to be free and he spent seven years in a prison. So first, Courtney comes over and asks her if ask him if he can get any smack, you know. And <laughs> after he tells this beautiful story about freedom, it's like, so what? Can you get me some smack? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, dude. Right on. Wow. So. Uh, so he's like, no, darling, you don't need that. You know, hash is the gods made by the gods. You know, it's, you know, grown naturally. That's a whole hash thing, right? So she's like, ah, fuck you. And, and uh, 
he's like, keeps telling the story. And she goes, you know what I'd have done? You know what I'd have done if I was you? I'd have just fucking hoard my way out. Um, you know, like if she was caught in the same situation, you know, hey, girls are girls. They can do what they want to do, whatever. I, I don't know. But, you know, it kind of put the guy down like she could just fuck her way out of the situation. He was in it. I mean, hijacking a plane, I can't condone. But it takes some balls to fucking hijack a guy <laughs> to be free, you know. So I was kind of amazed by his story. And I was amazed by how stupid she was being to this guy and how saying how she would just whore her way out, you know. So um, it's, it's insensitive because, at best. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it start, made me start thinking about, you know, how some girls are forced into this life where they have to whore their fucking way out you know, of whatever they're doing, you know, and then they meet guys that like the guy in the suit and tie, you know, I got a wife and kids, I got a family of my own. And she's saying, you know, I do this dope because I have to do the dope because I got to fuck guys like you all day, you know? So, you know, she's telling, you know, you know, you get high this way. I get high with this way. You use other people. I don't use other people. Other people use me. So in a way I'm saying how some people like she was used or they use, other people use different things and other things, but end it's up transactional using each other. system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just her, her, just she made me think about that, saying I, I would just whore my way out, and just being how cold it was, and you know maybe this is what she had to do. You know maybe she's been in situations like this where fuck that's how Courtney got out of the situation a couple times. You know like fuck I could just whore my way out of it, and it's I just felt gosh. You know, what a desperate thing to do. Yeah. And uh, uh, the mentality of it, you know, is, is really, really scary. And, and what you have to do to live with those decisions. And But it's funny, after that, she was putting her makeup on. And Corso, Mike Corso, the bass player, is behind her. And she had her baby doll dress on. And she's got her ass right in my face and right in Corso's face. Bent over in a makeup mirror, putting her makeup on. So Corso decides to light a big lighter underneath her ass. So, like, if she farts, it will, like... Uh, you know, catch on fire. And, and, <laughs> and, and everyone's laughing in the dressing room. You know, they're laughing because Corso's got this big lighter up against her ass trying to see if she'll fart. And she thinks they're laughing at her, you know, because she's saying, telling some story um, while she's putting her makeup on. Yeah. So it, it didn't get as heavy. You know, it finally, everyone was laughing later on and we were joking around together. But sure. it got it got kind of intense there for a while with this guy saying, I hijacked a fucking plane to be free. And she's like, ah, so what? I, I had to hoard my way out. Yeah, yeah. You got any dope? You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. Where's the heroin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Fan- compelling story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. we had, playing with them, we had a couple of t- shows where we had to play with them. And it was always a nightmare. So, uh, Patty, yeah. who uh, plays drums in Hole, is uh, she's 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 top people, a, a, ace folks. I I'm, I'm a big Patty Shamble fan. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's something where it, for me, and the reason why I brought that song up specifically is like listening to that song in 2021 versus like when it came out. It was like, oh, that hits kind of differently. Like it makes you think a bit like this is because it feels like almost like a noirish tale almost. Right. Right. Well, like, yeah, it is. Here's this vignette that like happens like, you know, in the middle of this record. I'm like, you think it's going to go one place and it kind of goes there and it kind of goes another. <laughs> and it kind of turns around. I love it. And, yeah. and you're like, yeah, uh, it moves back and forth really well. Yeah. Right. I, and it ends up kind of landing on this, you know, for lack of a better term, more humanist uh, mindset where it's not like, you know, uh, passing judgment, but like asking questions. 
but gosh, I mean, I can I can only imagine, you know, I, I guess now to a certain degree, like, you know, people don't want the nuance. They just want the reaction. But, uh, kind of, you know, bold inclusion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. You know, and uh, we played that um, in Ann Arbor on a, a review we did or something like that. And uh, this guy named Arwolf, who's been doing radio in Ann Arbor on a college music station for like 30 years. He was in the other, in the other room when they played that. And he came in and it's like. What was that? Oh my, you know, oh my God, that was so good. You know, I, I've never heard anything like that before, you know, and yeah. I'm like, it, it's just a story, you know, it's a story about people. And like you said, transactions, we have to go through to, to, to get the next day. But it is, yeah, but you know, when you're in a band, you know, you do meet a, girls that you feel so sorry for, you know, uh, you know, and I can't stand for all women or anything, but there's some, there's some, uh, you know, especially with the punk rock and the grunts, there's, there's kids that, you know, don't have, you know, divorced family. I came from a divorced family, but um, you know what I mean? They have no direction and they get lost. And, you know, some guy offers some money for something and it seems to be an easy transaction. But the weight behind it is really, really heavy. And you have to live with that. And, uh, and same with the man who I was playing in, in a, the part I was playing in that. It's like, who does he think he is? You know, who the fuck does he think he is? You know, his life is better or his life is better than hers. I mean, you're right. There's a, it moves around really well and you ask questions, which to me is what art is all about, you know. Well, yeah, it reminds me – to me it reminds me of a – you know, it's, it's very much like a, like a Russian film or something along these lines, yeah. you know, in, in yeah. that sort of way that sort of the, the, this bleak pragmatism – <laughs> that come forward from like this, like, yeah, this, this is the way it is. It'll never be better. Uh, and then like the sort of this, like, Oh, well, no, no, I don't know. Oh, well, gosh, I couldn't possibly, you know, like, kind of, uh, and I, I don't, you know, it's, it's cool. Like I, like I dig it, but it's something that like, you know, it, it, it's, I could see some, someone being less thoughtful to it, like only picking a couple pieces from it and being like, well, Hey, they're anti-feminist. Cause blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh my God, you completely missed the point. Didn't you? Um, well, yeah, if you didn't live the life or you don't know people that lived the life or yeah. if you haven't put those shoes on yourself, then it's easy to judge. I, that's what we're going through right now is that people don't wear other people's shoes. People don't have compassion for what other people go through to get right. to the next day. And so uh, if we had a little bit more of that instead of judgment and just understanding, it's like, yeah, this, this, is, this is something that, that this could happen. It's actually it's happening probably right now as we're speaking, some type of transaction like that where, Assuredly. you know, so, someone's, <laughs> someone's having sex to get dope so they can have sex to get dope it's like uh, the band i love the name of uh, cop shoot cop oh yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely well and also right. i think of the uh this the, there's that spaceman three record the um what is it Ta- taking drugs to make music to take drugs to if i remember <laughs> i think is the oh. yeah it's like these vicious cycles and circles you know that we yeah. go evolving and and, I, and that's you know being aware of that and being caught in them myself it's all about breaking that cycle to, you know, step out of the circle. And uh, I think that that was kind of my mission, you know. It still is. I mean, David and I are trying to write stuff all the time. With the COVID, it's kind of hard. But uh, I, uh, we did a They Never Sleep uh, record that I don't think I, anyone got to hear. And I think it's one of the best records I've ever done. Have you heard it? No, no, I haven't. I have actually was going to ask you about that because I wanted to talk a little bit about Thrall and I want to talk a little about They Never Sleep, too. I feel like it's been very Godbilly's head right. because that's, you know, a lot of people want to hear about that. But I think that, that it's, right. 
you know, it, it's something where when any time someone's in an iconic band, like it makes sense when someone only wants to talk about that iconic band. But also, right. people continue to be creative. People continue. To, I mean, Heroin Sheik's are hell of a band. It just happened to right. come after oh, the cats, man. you know? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both fantastic bands. I mean, and and, and Shannon's a good storyteller. Uh, fantastic, like what 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 yeah. one of one of the best. But yeah, so tell me, so okay, so why don't we start off start off with Thrall? Tell us how tell us how Thrall kind of came to pass. And... <laughs> Thrall came to pass because um the God Bullies broke up. I decided I was gonna have get married and have kids, and that that you know there's no way I could do that life and and have this life. So right. um I I moved to uh, uh, Ann Arbor. And uh, Scott Kodrick put up a, uh, a sign because he found out from Johnny Brandon, Johnny Brandon from uh, Negative Approach and Laughing Hyenas, yes. that I lived in Ips- <laughs> that I lived in Ypsilanti. And so he, he said, and, he, and John's been to my house but didn't know where it was or something. But yeah. he knew that I wa- I walked to work down this certain road. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm walking. Awesome. To, I, I'm walking to work and on a on a, on a Pole, telephone pole i see wanted mike hard for punk rock underground metal band you know and, and that's the most narrow cassette ad ever i love it yeah we're getting a record deal we got yeah. a record deal we've got managers we got it all you know we just need a lead singer you know so i, I didn't call him for a while and um if i guess i'm out of boredom or something or someone said they knew him or somehow i did eventually call scott and uh that started to thrall up um just you know, it you know here I am you know about ten years older than these guys. Uh, Johnny's here tonight, but um, these kids were all like eighteen, nineteen. I think I was just getting into my thirties. Yeah. And uh, we're rehearsing in their parents' house basement, you know. And uh, it's just you know they they wanted to do it really bad. They had stars in their eye. They thought by getting Mike hard, it was their ticket to the the big top or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, through that, through Scott, I mean, he was a really hard worker, and we got all these connections to Detroit because I lived in Detroit now. So, right. um, um, Straub became kind of like a Detroit band, and then I um was able to get Karen Neal from Inside Out, who's one of my favorite bass players, and get her on stage with me. And um, uh, yeah, we and uh, we came out with Chemical Wedding and, you know, Jello, Jello put it out. And uh, I think that's right up there with uh, Kill the King and the rest of the God Bully stuff. The Chemical sure. Wedding album is, is, is a great, there's some, it's, it's real, I think it's good. The guitarist on there is this Kevin Hagen who passed away a couple of years ago and it's like the only album he's ever been on. So, and oh, the man. guitar playing is just fantastic. Ferocious, I mean, it's just yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah, he's just a great guitar player. So, um, it, and Karen's a great bass play, player, and uh, you know, it's got it's got uh, you know, mommy and daddy were alien gods, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's got you know some really good spoken word like uh, with lyrics like I don't need Dion Warwick to see the future, right. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I you know it talks about um, like Orwell and Leary all being used by the government, and Jerry yeah. Garcia was secretly used by the CIA, you know, and uh, just you know, good conspiracy stuff you know and, yeah again back uh, yeah, to the conspiracy that. theories were fun and not uh <laughs> but right, yeah yeah but but it occurs to me like yeah right you know when chemical wedding uh you know that the, the, like that last god Billy's record and uh thrall kind of like it seems like there's some like, kind of crossover there's some cross-pollination uh right a lot of those like sound wise yeah yeah well it was they were both recorded in that in uh uh that's uh 54 sound 
in Detroit. So they, they're both the same studio, same engineer, Steve King. And he worked on Aretha. I think he actually won a Grammy working with like Aretha or, or something. Oh, so wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, he, was, he was the engineer. And uh, oh, man, just, yeah, they knew what they were doing. And it's got a really good, big sound to it. And the worst thing is the drumming. Uh, Scott didn't play <laughs> drums. He, had to do, he could do everything else but play drums. <laughs> And we had to do a lot of uh, like rhythm, re-rhythm hittings, you know, like yeah. I don't know what, the, what they were doing. The engineer was doing it, but uh, was what the, the bass playing and the guitar playing on are fantastic. Just really rocks. It's a great album. Well, and, and, and Thrall almost uh, seems like it was doing, <clears throat> do, doing uh, raucous behavior, <laughs> raucous songs, but without like some like the more heady intellectualism uh not in a bad way but in a way of like like no this is this is like this is going to rock you this this is going to be like the big rock yeah. band uh and again not to say the god bullies don't rock but like you know it, it's something where it, it kind of seems like there was a from from an outside perspective at least that uh thrall could get a different kind of audience than uh what god bullies did just by nature of the compositions and by natures of uh you know it was it's too heavy to be like alternative and like too smart to be metal <laughs> yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough place to be in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah it, and it, it once again is because that's what the musicians gave me. I mean, Scott yeah. Kodrick, who wrote a lot of the songs on it, was way into Jesus Lizard and you know that kind of, that kind of music. And some of the riffs, you know, I don't listen. I mean, some of the riffs I, I after listening to them, I think he stole them from other bands. <laughs> you know, I, well, as long I, as, I as really it's a steal and not a borrow, that's the important thing. Is he good? Yeah, was a great know. musician steal? Good musicians yeah. borrow? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah, it's something like that. But anyway, I that they were influenced by a little bit heavier, heavier music. Uh, him and Karen both. So that you know, that's where it took it. You know, just really heavy rock and band. Well, and, and that uh, that hung like God record. I mean, that that's the one that sort of is sort of like, oh wow, like it's almost like it was a little bit too early or a little bit too late, one one or the other. But like that's a that's a hell of a rock record. I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah. That hung like God was is great. That I think Johnny, are you on hung like God? That's my first record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. yeah, yeah. Once again, yeah, two guitars, the big big thing. All right, that was a that was a little. A little hollowed we follow. The thrall was a yeah. Warned to fever. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh you know Warren to fever from uh, his name is alive produced that you know we he recorded that. Uh, nice. So yeah yeah it's, it, once again, but yeah uh, night fell is one of my favorite songs on there. Um, but uh, oh yeah where are my people? <laughs> Where are my people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and, and that's uh, and and that's something again where I, I feel like there was was that two thousand one that that one came out uh, that was uh God that's twenty years ago yeah. Jesus Christ um, yeah still listen to today Where are my people You can hear <laughs> you can hear it on the state capitol steps right now <laughs> Right exactly. Where are my people uh, and, and again like I I firmly contend that that was like. A little too early or a little too late, right? Like, I feel yeah. like if that would have hit like ten years later or like ten years earlier, I think that would have um, maybe hit a little. I just like the fact that you can put it on now and still get a vibe for it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's what's really really cool about it. Uh, it what we were saying earlier about music, like yeah. even if, it, if it's from nineteen seventy or whatever, if you can put it on now and still get a feeling for it, man, that's 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 beautiful. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, that's that's. 
Absolutely, I mean, I think I think that counts for a lot. So can you can you talk a little bit about? Um, so so you guys did th- uh, thrilled at three records, right? There was the one that came out like yeah. at at the end, right? That was like at at the beginning, and then uh, yeah, Lifer put out the second one, and uh, right, and Angelo put out Lifer, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and Lifer is, is now there's a that's a lot of conspiracy stuff on that, which right. is kind of cool, which I yeah. really like, you know. Um, it talks about you know everything from you know kids being stolen and turned into Sasquatches and uh, yeah it goes through the whole uh, Dan Brown uh, uh, the whole Catholic thing and the yeah, Templars yeah. and oh, things the, like the that the Opus Day and uh, and all that yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah fo- oh, about follow the path path of initiation down the road of destruction fa- passed through generations and time kept yeah. alive in your monkey uh, yeah so uh, yeah that was all that Dan Brown stuff was going on but you know I. There's a, a book came out way before that called the I, uh, the blood in the chalice or the chalice in the blade, and uh, pretty much talking about that whole uh, bloodline right. of Christ, you know, which is still fascinating to me. Matter of fact, I, I, I can't I hate to talk conspiracy, but the Templars just amazed me, uh, the, the history of them and the, their, their secret religion and all that stuff. So, and at the time we, uh, well, no, I think that's a little early, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that was kind of on my mind a lot about uh, this whole uh, like, did Jesus live? I mean, did he live? And then yeah. I started thinking to myself, like, God, maybe Jesus lived for us. Maybe he didn't die for us. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe Jesus lived for us. And what a great thing that would be if Jesus lived for us instead of died for right. us. Like, yeah, he actually lived for us, man. He didn't die for us. You know, I mean, it's it, it, I start, so anyway. So kind of songwriting came out of that kind of whole mystical thing it's with hung like god and uh of course the title is what what better metal band title is that for it's pretty pretty rock solid <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it reminds oh me of, and i guess this is you know one of the times where i just make a statement rather than asking a question but like when you're because we've talked a lot about conspiracy theories and um conspiracy theories and things along those lines and it occurs to me that just because new metal bands you know, decided to play their version of metal and it was awful doesn't mean that all metal is terrible. And in that same way, just because these new conspiracy theories are all total dog shit doesn't mean that all conspiracy theories are therefore invalidated. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, there's really good ones. I mean, God, I mean, start with Kennedy. There's, what, 400 books written on him being shot. <laughs> I, it's like a, a Ellery Queen or, you know, Nancy Drew shit, you know yeah. what I mean? But only somewhat true. Well, you know, depending how, like you said, how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. Exactly. Well, that, that's the key, right? <laughs> that's the key. Uh, so can you tell but, me? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mike, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I, I, I was just trying to say, like, you know, like I said, this whole reptilian things and you know, cannibals, and, and it's it's been around for a long time, but no one's really tied it into one total conspiracy with the Bilderbergers and the, the Templars and the, you know the Freemasons and all that stuff. It's great, you know, how they are just able to make everyone. Every conspiracy all into one. <laughs> right. and, it's, it's all just one big booyah base. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they believed it. <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's very valuable to get people believing in a frame-based world if you can exploit it. You know, right. It's, and that's what, and, and, oh, yeah, these guys must feel so bad having their, you know, what, believing in a lie and, 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 and just a hustler. You know, I yeah. don't know if you, I, I read a lot, especially with this uh, whole COVID thing, I read a lot. And, man. Donald Trump is the biggest money money launderer in the world. He's all about the laundering of the money, and uh, 
He doesn't care if it's drug money, Russian money. He don't care whose money it is, but it's laundered through his apartments. And yeah, how they yeah oh, absolutely. Buy and sell. Yeah. So people, these people that, that did this terrible thing don't realize he could give a fuck about you. <laughs> well, so, th- so that's, that's his greatest uh, attribute. Is what a he, con man. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's like a, he, he's, a, he's a combination snake oil salesman and a confidence man. Right. Yeah. And, and being able to combine those two and walk into a suit that was not, in fact, tailored for him, but fit him perfectly. You know, it, it's it's like, right. say what you want about the man. He's not an idiot. Like that, that guy figured something out that a lot of other people couldn't have, which is to say that he spotted rubes. You know, he's, he was like, hey, cool. I can I can make this work for me right on. Yeah, I don't know if he spotted him. I don't. I don't give him that much credit. I think they were spotted for him, and the rube that was spotted was him. I, you know, I, I think he's been played this whole time like a piano. I, I really do. He, they had to call him A. They had to call him B. I think. I mean, it, it's. But but it is. Believe it, me, what the, okay. it, what's coming down? What's coming down? You. I mean, fascism is. It, it, we got to watch out because it's coming down, and this is just a test. And these these guys don't want to give up power, and they're not going to give up power easily. And as more people of color and more people of different cultures uh, represent America, their their power is going away, and they're going to hold on to it by hook or crook. And and we're seeing that right now, and it's just going to get worse until it stops. Uh, you know, it doesn't get better until it gets worse. I I really think that's happening. But you know, once again, back to thrall. That's that's what it's talking about right there, that yeah. that icon, you know, that icon that you, you got sucked into believing that's been lying to you your whole life. So it's, can it's you kind speak, of the... <laughs> yeah, it's a running theme, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can, can you talk a little bit about the uh, uh, that the, the third record uh, about Lifer? I mean, there, there's some, you know, you're, we're going to get what we deserve. There's um, uh, the, the one... Uh, uh, two petrochemical. Yeah, petrochemical pharmaceutical. I love that song. I, yeah. I think it's just so great. It's all. It's, you know, once again, we're talking about simplicity of lyrics. You know, petrochemical pharmaceutical military industrial complex over and over again. You know, <laughs> until, until it loses meaning practically. <laughs> oh man, but, are these words? Am I saying words anymore? <laughs> oh yeah, and, uh, it's huffing and puffing, and uh, that. It, but it, you know that. That's kind of, you know, it's not anything more than what we've talked about earlier about what I've been writing about. But it's all right there in one sentence. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's like funny because the Metro Times and uh, the Detroit, whatever, you know, like the fan time, they got kind of mad because I, I put uh, their names in it. You know, it's because if you look in the back of them, they're just selling cigarettes and, and uh, right. uh, liquor and then all the all the strip bars, you know, right. and, and, and so they got all the bands in there and they're advertising for all this, but really all they're really selling is liquor, drugs, and, you know, and sex. AKA <laughs> the food groups, right? And, and I say all these, <laughs> they, they, oh, yeah. And they sold us out to the petrochemical pharmaceutical military industrial complex for these little trinkets of money. And, uh, and so anyway, um, that's that's exactly what that song's about, you know, just. Well, and talk about, it, again, it, we've talked about, like, evergreen topics, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. uh, just as on point now as it was then. <laughs> I know. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's pretty cool that you can play that stuff and, and still see the, the, like I said, I don't think I'm an Nostradamus. I think that things haven't. The human mind hasn't changed that much, much. You know what I mean? It's the same, same. It's just different tools we're we're learning to manipulate and are are being manipulated against us. 
Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's heady stuff, you know. Can, so yeah. can, can we? Uh, and and you know, we're not going to be able to get to everything, but I do want to not give uh, short shrift to uh, they never sleep because I feel like that's something that we should bring up, being somewhat oh, timely yeah. and relevant. Um, can well, you, you miss brain saw too, right? I know. I, mean, I was gonna, I was just going to say, like, you know, I was like, oh, I spent all this. Time. Oh man! I was sitting there yeah, talking. Uh, all right, give me, give me, give me the the briefest uh, brain saw entry. Uh, only because we spent way too much time talking about Toby Hooper and uh, 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 apparently uh, Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre. Sorry, it's the show. Brain saw all the songs were in D. Right. That's all. I, that's all I really need to say. So everything's in D. Um, we only put like about five songs out, but uh, one's called "I Hate Myself." Yeah. It, 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 which is I, I love it. And, uh, the other one is uh, the, the Vagrant, which is like my mother named me Michael after the Avenging Angel. Uh, uh, in every drunken dive, in every filthy piss hole, I'm 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 the oh god I can't even think of it. But I'm gonna bring my church to the people. Right. So it's that's the Mike Hart story. You know, my mom named me Mike, so it's that song's just about you know being Mike Hart. And uh, you know, I hate myself as something we all go through sooner or later in life. And and uh, and then you hate yourself because you hate everybody, basically. <laughs> do, do you ever think about when you're uh, when a band is? Yeah, when you when you name a band, does the band ever inform the direction for for where you go on stuff, or is it just kind of like a an empty uh, canister to imbue meaning into? Uh, no, Brainsaw was what the music was. I mean, we, we wanted to just sound savage. It. Yeah, it's, it that sounds hum, <laughs> that <laughs> hum that that that, that the like saw a... makes when it hits your skull. You know, yeah, it's that's... like that down in D hum. You know, that that heavy heavy hum. So that's what the, and we laughed about it when we made the, the title Brainsaw. Yeah. But we, it, we wanted it to sound like the music, like every song's in D, super, super heavy and grinding. And uh, yeah, and then um, that was with Karen again, uh, Johnny, and it was basically kind of a, a thrall, but in D, with a really, really good... <laughs> right. Uh, kept kept, really, kept really the good, raucousness, but like added like a, a heavier, sure, element by nature of the... Yeah, uh, uh, with the uh, team, yeah. We had a great drummer, too, and, and so, yeah, it was that was... That was a good band, and then uh, we got back together with David, I, and Adam from uh, God Bullies and did uh, They Never Sleep with Karen right. from Thrawn Brainsaw. So it's really a good, um, I don't know if you can get it online, but uh, I have a bunch of them here. I'll, I'll send you one if I can. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I heard, um, Christ, who, somebody played, somebody played me something. I can't even remember. Uh, and I dug it, but I, I, it occurred to me that it was like, I was like, oh, like I felt like, it should be easier to find. <laughs> but then by the same token, Mike, you also have the problem that uh, when you search, so if you search for Conan Neutron, you'll find Conan O'Brien and you'll find Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron, right. by the way, which existed long after I started doing stuff. So fuck that <laughs> character, especially. Yeah, but with, with being Mike hard, fucking, you have to almost eliminate lemonade. From yeah, search, is that right? terrible? Yeah. I mean, what was what was that? <laughs> did you did you ever expect like a, a? I was no no. I was Mike Hart before Mike Hart's lemonade. Yeah. But Mike 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 my my real name is Mike Hart back. Right. Uh, yeah. So um, Mike Hart just was shortened for that, you know. Well, it's a, it's a, I, that's I, a great rock and roll name too. You know why yeah, not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I was always called Hard in high school and stuff. Hard. Uh, uh, you know, instead of Hard back, it was called Hard. So it's just like yeah, so my card, right? So, uh, so and 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 I, and I guess that was just more. Well, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I hate it too. My kids hate it. Everybody hates it. You know. 
<laughs> it's like even just having like a like a unique name. It's like oh no, as, as long as there's an alcoholic brev- malt beverage that's based off on a uh, <laughs> something hey, that has a I... stand for. <laughs> Forget it. Hey, can I can I sue him? You yeah, know, you I should. I was here first. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at least get some free product out of it right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, but so so okay, uh, and and Karen. Um, uh, it's not on all the they never sleep stuff. Like it, it's it's um. No, she's all there. Yeah, yeah, it's all her. So it, it's. So where were like where where can people and because I feel like that's the band that's hardest to find of uh, of all the different bands. Like I mean, I mean, right. I, I'm old enough to remember MySpace. I'm not old enough to remember oh, there was right, a MySpace yeah. page. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm God. hard pressed to think if I've seen like a Bandcamp or anything along those lines. Is there? Places that people can, I, can find that. I, th- I think David um, might have it for sale on Amazon. Is it on Amazon? Okay, th- all right. Yeah, I think I think so. You know, I I've never I I have about. That's what made me so mad. I talked to David the other day. Is like, guys, you know, I, I just hate this shit because you know I think the they never sleep was one of the best records they've ever made. It got nowhere. You know, and no one heard it. No one here wrote. You know, nothing. Yeah. So it it just got really really frustrating. So. Um, Part of it's our fault, or just you know, we, we self produced it, self did it, so you know, no distribution. That's the way it is, you know. We were selling it at our live shows. Right, right. It's harder to like it. Uh, by the same token, it's easier to find everything, but it's harder to get new things out in the world and have it find its audience now. And yeah. uh, no, that's not anything to be like bummed out by about. It's just like it's something to overcome. I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would love to see like Jello or Hayes, you know, say, yeah, I want to put that out, you know, because there's only a couple hundred copies out of that, you know, I mean, but, you know, you never know. I I don't know, you know, we'll we'll see. (laughs) Can can you talk a little bit about uh, reconvening God Bullies when you when you did that, like what what all that entailed and what kind of feelings that brought up? And well, which which time, like for the Hayes thing or for the. I was specifically thinking of the Hazelmeyer thing, but actually, technically, yeah, actually both times. So just, again, knowing that you hadn't stopped, you've continued to do stuff, right? And then coming right, back to really? these songs, yeah. and how do you approach right. them? Like, do you find it easy to get back into that mindset? Was it, like, you know, putting on an old glove? Or was it, like, you know, take a little more work? No, you know, it's it's like knowing the people that you've worked with that you've created with before and knowing what they're going to bring to the table the next time. Yeah. So uh, uh, once again, it was just like, you know, uh, I I really made sure David was involved with the, the Kill the King because he was such an instrumental part of the first three records. Even though Tommy was the very first, he moved he moved to New York and David took over. He was a young kid, you know, when we first started in Kalamazoo and, and uh, he just decided he, had, he wanted to get out of Kalamazoo. David was still going to school there, so he kind of moved into his part. And then when David uh, started working for Peter Davis and living up in Minneapolis, um, he kind of stayed there for a while. And that's when the opportunity from Jello uh, came to do it again and do a, do a godly record. And, everybody, yeah. and Dave, David was just in Minneapolis, and as simple as that. But um, I did get him to come down and actually start work on the engineering with it so he could still kind of get that Livingstone feel and sound to it. Because I, I think it's a big part of the God book. Well, God I was going to say, like, <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I feel like for whatever reason, we, you know, there's so much to talk about. We've covered so much stuff. Like, I feel like we haven't adequately expressed that. But, like, <laughs> it's a pretty big part of, like, what the God bullies were, you know. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David David really, I mean, David got us to, in touch with uh, Peter Davis and, and with, uh, well, maybe Hazelmeyer got us in Davis. But it got us in with that whole whole group of people. Right. And, uh, and uh 
he he produced everything and he engineered everything and you know he was a big big part of the sound i mean he was a sound yeah. david was the god bully sound and i just i just he's so smart and so well read of a person that the fact that i got to be the uh, lyricist and got to put my words to his music I, I I love it, man. I I just think he's a really talented musician and engineer, and uh, I'm glad I had a chance to work with him. And I'm glad I'm just glad I have relationships with those people that I can keep going back. And that if right. something comes up, I can say, hey, you want to do this, or you know, do you want to play like this? And David and I are still uh, working together. We're trying to do uh, anything we can to get something out again. You know, so. Well, that, and that's, yeah, David. That's Lee. awesome to hear. I mean, that that because it's like. You know, you know, going back to like the chemistry thing, you, you don't necessarily know all the constituent elements, but you always know when something causes a reaction, and you always know when like something's happening, right? Yeah. And yeah, there's something special that happens with you guys, and I don't, you know, what is it? I don't know, but <laughs> not to say the good oh, things man, aren't, I, but it's nice to see. You know, I, I tried to do this Mike Hard thing for a while. It was just called Mike Hard. Yeah. And um, it was with uh, just a group of musicians, and we never wrote a thing. It just wasn't there. Yeah. It was weird. We, we they, they could play all the Godly songs, and we could do all this, uh, uh, do Thrall, uh, do a, you know, They Never See Godly Thrall uh, medley or whatever, but we never wrote any songs. So we just didn't have that chemistry there. It, yeah. But, you know, the, the musicians could play all the, those songs. We could do the Mike Hard show just fine, but when we tried to rehearse, just we just what? never wrote anything. It just wasn't there. And uh, yeah. But then, you know, but... During that time, it was like doing They Never Sleep. And so, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. You, you can feel like, like you were saying, it is that chemistry. It's like, I know what I get from David. I know what David brings to the table. And I, and, and I can come up to meet, meet his moods that he creates with the, with the, with the guitar and uh, create stuff, you know? Well, and that's important. And same with Karen. You know, that's yeah, yeah. exactly. That's something that, uh, you, you know, <laughs> even just being aware of that, it can kind of like, like, okay. I hate to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to the Stooges uh, and say that like, as much as, you know, I, I love Iggy pop. I love a lot of Iggy pop solo stuff, but I mean, let's be real Stooges at the Stooges, you know? And there was something just real special that happened when it's like you had Ron Ashton doing his, you know, open chord, uh, Montevichu orchestra <laughs> guitar shit underneath here. And, uh, it's, oh, it's, I, I, I'm just, I'm glad that that was realized and there got to be like a whole new generation that got to see that uh, because it doesn't mean that, you know, the idiot isn't a brilliant record, you know, the idiot's amazing. Right. Like, you know, and there's so much yeah. amazing stuff that like those guys have done, but it's, it's sort of like, Oh no, that's cool. It's, it's, it's nice to be at, um, at a level of an artist where you can acknowledge when something special happens and not have it take away from other things to have it be like yeah. that. Uh, and it's and, and like you said, the idiot is a great album, and it, and you look at it, and you look at how it was produced, and you know all the production that went behind that record. And I, I hate to say that's the first uh, Iggy Pop I ever bought was uh, the the idiot, and and Wrong from Cal- record. <laughs> I I know. And uh, after that, then I found more about the Stooges and stuff. But and, and it's really really weird living in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and going to the Wing Stadium to see Aerosmith and Kiss and ZZ Top. <laughs> We never heard of fucking about Iggy Pop. Nothing. Yeah. He was like a Detroit dude, you know. And and then you, you you hear about him later. You listen to Idiot, and it's like, oh my god. And then you start getting in raw power, and you're like, oh jeez, you know, what did I miss? Because I was listening to Aerosmith and what was being fed down my throat, right. not knowing just 90 miles away there's fucking Iggy Pop and Ron Hessen <laughs> right, and Scott exactly. Hessen, you know, the the the, the Dum Dum Boys, you know. 
Yeah, so, I, it's but but that's the thing is that that and, and and I feel like there's a constant through line with this show where I'm talking about hey things used to be different than they used to, but the idea that you would even be able to know about the Stooges back before like they came back basically because that was something where like a whole new generation was like oh this is awesome and people that knew were like yeah we know like I said right, like right. I was the guy that when they when Ron Ashton like went on stage with Jay Mascus and Mike Watt they ripped through three Sudra song I was freaking out and my buddy had no idea he's like who's that dude yeah you know and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like one of my best guitar players of all time are you kidding me well, come on and, and believe me you really didn't miss that much because in Detroit the, the Iggy was literally like Playing in front of ten people at, at, totally. at the Grande Ballroom, you know, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. like packing them in or drawing at right. anything at all, and and he was always the opening act for years and years and years, you know. And uh, when they got big, that was it; they, they imploded, you know. When they got to, you know, when they moved out to L.A. and thought that was going to change the world, oh my God! Hearing Ron Ron and Ashton's stories about them in L.A. with Iggy in L.A. was just hilarious, you know. I mean, it was the dumb dumb boys; it really was. It was Iggy and the dumb dumb boys, you know. Well, and it's it's easy to look on things like that, like the rose-colored glasses. Uh, but then the whole. By the way, this isn't just a pointless story about the. No, Stooges. there's no rose. There's no rose-colored glasses, man. It was terrible. Ron <laughs> hated it. Oh my God! You know, he, he was disgusted, and they hated Iggy. They wanted to, you know, it, yeah. It was it was a messed up scene. Yeah. So, but but the reason why I'm going down with all this isn't isn't just to be like you know you know continue my chairman of the Ron Ashton fan club, uh, you know, motif, but also to say like going back to the Godbelly stuff and the fact that there's people that never got to see that band play like the first time things along those lines. Was that something where like that, that, that were you just holding the angle with it? Were you able to kind of appreciate the fact that like, Hey, there's, there's whole swaths of people that never got to see this band in its quote unquote heyday and to have this other no, pass at it. Like did, that, 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 is that something that <laughs> resonated with you at all? No, no. It, it was back to the now. No. Not so much, it's, huh? It's, it's, it's the now. What we were talking about earlier. Okay, it's the now. That's you fine. know, that was then. This is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I look back at the past and 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 I'm, I just think it was fantastic. And and uh, I can't replicate that. And and I don't think necessarily like that. Like especially when you listen to some of your earlier songs and um, you know uh. You think differently now, and you process things differently now. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't relive any of that stuff. I, I think if I, when I get on stage now, it's now. It's I got this forty-five minutes tonight with this band right here, right now in this room, right. and it's a whole different. Yeah, it's it's a whole different thing. Well, I guess that's what I'm driving at cause, is because with because um, revisiting Godbillies as a live band. And going back to those songs, you know, do, does it just snap back in? Do, are you are you looking at? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, well, what I mean? it's a different way. You know, well, I'm not going to get naked singing the songs anymore. You know, I mean, that's 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 not going to happen. I've already, you know, realized it was just a dream, and uh, I was in a room with naked with a bunch of people around me with their clothes on. But you no, know, no, no, you bring you, you you you. It's the same story, but you find a different way to tell it, and and and, and probably better now that I'm older and have told the story so many times. You know, so you find different ways to show it you know, to tell that same story but you know i love using props you know that the american flag is american flag <laughs> right it's, it's crosses are crosses you know? <laughs> you're still gonna these the same imagery yeah, is yeah. still gonna have the same effect uh <laughs> to a certain degree right like yeah. that hasn't changed 
Yeah, I don't think so. Is anything worse, right? <laughs> well, and it's it's it's, gotten, it's gotten way worse. It it has, but it, it just because it just occurs to me that like so, some bands are very much like seem so ephemeral and of the time and, and and like tied to a specific time and place. And I never got that impression uh, with God Bullies that like it always kind of seemed like it's always like a little out of time, a right. little bit timeless, and you know for better or for worse. Like again, you're not gonna <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, hey, what am I gonna, what am I gonna say? You're not, you're, you're not gonna make millions doing yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know but... what, what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, when we saw Surgery get signed to a major label, we knew we were fucked. You know, I mean, <laughs> we just like, you know. Yeah, that says a lot. You know, what I mean, I, I don't think we, we weren't. Our, our ideas weren't mainstream. It, it does. It does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our, our thinking wasn't mainstream. It, it never was, and that's not why we were doing it. If anything, it, with David, it, it was there was that kind of to offend people a little bit, um, push in there on their side. And they, I could, you know, I don't think I, I could ever be as, as offensive as David David would want me to be, because uh, <laughs> he, he thinks there's no limits to uh, giving back a little bit of what you what you've been taking for all these years beautiful so so um so so second to last thing is that uh mike greenless from tar said that he ran into you at disney world a few years back on tom sore yeah (laughs) isn't that great i was recognized at disney world i I remind my son who's an actor in new york he's trying to be an actor he lives in new york city it's like yeah "Yeah, you know i was recognized at disney world you know it's like i'm fucking cool yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, forget that, it, Sonny. That, that, was a, <laughs> that was a rock star moment. Now, that, that was worth it all right there in front of the kids. Having, Are you Mike Hard? Yeah. You know, and like my kids all look at me, who's this guy, Dad? You know. <laughs> but they, they discounted it a little bit because I played in a band, wasn't he? He wasn't a fan. He was a, yeah. played in a band. Oh, it's so another I band guy. It doesn't the, matter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, man. Didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't go up yeah but that was great because he was with his kids um yeah. just starting out and my kids were all grown up and uh so it got to see him you know it's just you know they grow up so fast they got to do the old mike hart preaching thing a little bit with him and it's like you know this this is the best time you ever have in your life and they grow up so fast so you know yeah. really enjoy it take stock of it enjoy and, uh, it, et cetera, et cetera. so yeah that was yeah. that was a good thing yeah yeah that, 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 yeah, that, yeah, that yeah 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 my kids are all grown up now and living away yeah, that, that, that's just the uh, every once in a while something cool will come in from this being a live show, and uh, that was something that uh, that I, I I didn't know ahead of time, but that's I think that's very cool. Uh, oh, that's cool you brought it up. Yeah. So last yeah. thing, and Mike, this has been great. Thanks so much for doing this, man. This has been great going through everything with oh, you. Oh, thanks, Conan. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it, man. And, and you're really doing a good thing because uh, people can't see this anymore. Like you said, live, they, they're not going to see this, but yet they're going to see what was behind it, and I think that's a good idea. That's the idea. <laughs> I mean, and, and and literally, like, I can't stress this enough. I only talk to people I'm interested in, and uh, you'd be. Oh, thank you, man. Th- there, there's plenty of people that have turned down that I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks, Conan. Because uh, I I talked to Johnny because Johnny follows you, and yeah. I'm kind of. Uh, I- I just discovered YouTube last year. I hate to say it, so I'm just finding all this stuff out, and it's so cool. Right. But yeah, Johnny was said something about it, and uh, he said, "Yeah, his guests are. So he got you know uh, L7, and he's got Hazelmeyer, and you know, he starts going down this list. I'm like, wow, wow, oh, I'd love to do it. And then he said, you would be stoked. You're, oh, you absolutely. Go, yeah, I, mean, stoked. I, was, 
overjoyed. Like, yeah. like I said, anyone, anybody who can suggest something like this anytime that if it's awesome, I'm going to say yes. And, and let's, let's give all praise to Johnny for, uh, for hooking it up and for having the, Johnny! It up. Right so, on. uh, the show, I, it's, it's very off the cuff. It's ephemeral. It's, it, there's a lot of things at once. It's very heady. It's very referential, but the, I have one can question that I ask at the end of everything and you can choose to interpret however you like, but the question all is, right. why do you do what you do? Uh, to get out of my body. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's good. I think it's the first time I've heard that. That's that's good. Uh, Mike, this has been a pleasure, sir. Great, great. Thank you very much, Conan. And uh, Johnny's like the, uh, he's he's a guitarist that was on a tour with us where we went up to uh, and he played with the God Bullies uh, at the Hayes Festival yeah, thing. And uh, he's been yeah. the bash. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. let it, the God. Yeah, I wouldn't let the God Bullies go on tour without him. So I, I put my foot down and said, no, uh, Mike, you haven't played your bass in 15 years. Um, I'm going to make sure I got a guy that is a musician that plays every day with us. So he fattened up the sound and made it sound fucking great. Yeah. So here's to Johnny. Well, let's, let's, let's give it. Let's get it for Johnny. Uh, Mike, so much for being right. on the show, man. It's, it, this has been a Thanks, blast. Conan. Uh, I appreciate it. Th- thank you for your time. Yeah. Until yep. next time, brother. You got it right on. Take Thanks. care. Oh, there it goes. My card of the God Bullies and Thrall and uh, so many others. Good times, man. That was great. Hope you guys enjoyed that.
All right. Sweet. So that was God Bullies. The fantastic, amazing, wonderful, pugnacious. Sure, pugnacious. <laughs> God Bullies. That's mm. enthrall. That was Mike Hard. Hey. Fry to Kalamazoo, man. Thanks, Johnny. Hey, hey, so the name of this show is Kona Neutron's Proton Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on Radio Nope. RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Always free, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you like the show and you want to get episodes sooner, patreon.com slash Reversal. One dollar a month will get you there. Hey, uh, big shout out also to folks uh, reviewing the show and sharing it around. It's um, signing off. means a lot. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. It's how people find out about it and, uh, and, and how the show grows. The sound of my voice. So thank you for that. Some other cool stuff coming up. I've got Stay tuned. Fifty thousand watts of power. Uh, thanks for all the nice comments. The not so nice ones. No thanks to those ones, especially on YouTube. <laughs> Let's hear your show. <laughs> but this thank microphone you. turns sound. Into electricity. And, uh, you know, stay safe out there. It's a wild world. Can you hear me now? And take out it on easy. Route 128, you're dark and lonely. Take it easy. Got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. 
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl.
kick this over and then we'll be ready to rumble in earnest. I understand it probably just looks like I'm dicking around here, but I guarantee you I am not. Uh, and... <laughs> That should be my prefacing statement for a lot of things in life. I understand it looks like I'm dicking around here, but I guarantee you, I am not. Hey, <laughs> I learned it. I learned in the Navy. Always carry a clipboard around. You, know, <laughs> you look like you're important when you're. Yeah, if you got a, so if you got a clip- have that clipboard, and you'll think you're doing something. Yeah, clearly, he's doing something. He's got a clipboard. Why would you have a clipboard if you weren't doing something? I mean, clearly, he's, he's got something going on, right? <laughs> That's exactly. Good. <laughs> That's, That's what I learned. Yeah. yeah.